William looked to the almost clear navy sky, observing the small patch of clouds that would cover the fully lit moon in a few moments. The air was calm, a soft breeze flowed through his linen button-up shirt. Closing his eyes, he felt the serenity of the sea, and the warmth of the sand blanketing his feet. Well, time to go back to the room, I suppose. As his vacation neared to an end, he turned away from the beach and set foot for the path back to the city lights. When he heard an audible noise from the sea, it wasn't a person, but rather a metallic kind of humming. Quickly turning on his heel in the sand as it dispersed outwards, the sudden and abrupt movement billowing the same shirt that was just a moment ago, so calm. Out in the water, a glowing blue light emanated from beneath the ocean's surface. What? said William. Unaware, he spoke aloud. He had been on the beach for nearly an hour, and never once saw or heard such a thing his entire trip. Curiosity getting the best of him, he approached the shoreline as he looked for anything that would give him the faintest of clues as to what was causing such a bright light. Maybe someone was trapped and they needed his help. No time to waste. William took off his shirt and left his phone and keys at the shore. Please be here when I get back. He spoke to the inanimate objects as if they were listening. He was always funny like that, speaking to things that clearly weren't alive, yet he always felt like they were, for some odd reason. I guess that's why he ate lunch in the stairwell at school. The water was warm, the tropical weather kept the shallow end nice and hot. As he got deeper into the sea, he realized he had submerged himself in order to find the person down there. Okay, big breath. Diving under the water, William opened his eyes at the salt burn, but he didn't care. He spent most of his time out at sea swimming like a fish, so he was quite used to the initial sting. As he swam deeper and deeper towards the light, the pressure was building in his ears, but it did not sway his determination. He never experienced a sight like this before, darkness all around, yet in front of him, all was illuminated with a bright blue tinge, algae and sand vividly visible. There was no person, not even a fish in sight. It was beneath the sand that this light was so luminous, so bright, that whatever was creating this was peeking through the cracks of the ocean's surface, it seemed. His breath was beginning to shorten. It was almost time to come up for air. So he began to dig into the sand, closing his eyes as the light was so bright it began to blind him. The more he dug his fingers, the deeper the hole went, as if caving in on itself. Half of his body already now into the hole, he kept going until, uh-oh, he thought. The dizziness and disorientation settling in, air! He desperately swam for air. Up and up he went, almost blacking out until... <sighs> he could feel the air fill his lungs, coughing up salt water while he did. As he settled down and wiped his eyes, he let out a shriek. No! Where am I? Help! Hello? The panic began to settle in. As he looked around like a lost dog in water, trying to conserve as much energy as possible, yet freaking out more than ever. Help! Hello! He yelled out into the nothingness of the sky. The sky, he thought. Where'd the moon go? And what happened to the light in the ocean? He couldn't see it anymore. The sky itself was weird. It wasn't navy or black, but rather almost glowing, yet dark, if that made any sense. <sighs> Oxygen deprivation, he said to himself. I must be losing it. Whoa! As something swam past him in the water, Will freaked out and tried to swim in a direction, but he didn't know which until he felt a beast lift him out of the water, forcing his legs to either side. A giant fin moved under him carrying him at astounding speeds. 
Whoa! Slow down! What? Who are you? This is incredible! William loved fast things, but he never felt anything like this dolphin before. What are the odds, he thought, looking down, until he noticed that this was not a dolphin, but rather some amphibious creature that he had never seen before, and it was in control of where they were going, and at alarming speeds. Hey! Hey! Stop! The creature didn't listen. If anything, it sped up faster, taking them to an island at incredible speeds. William walked on the shore, turning to thank the creature, but found nothing there. Without a sound, it was gone. Was it even there in the first place? The cool sand illuminated beneath his feet by a light source that he could not identify. Shining pale blue as he walked further into the darkness, he found himself alone on this small recluse island, surrounded by the sea. Where was he? This didn't make any sense. Laying down on some leaves that he picked for bedding, William decided to get some rest. Maybe this was all just a bad dream. Yeah, rest. That's what he'll do. As he closed his eyes and nodded off, only to be woken by what seemed like moments later by the tide's waves sprinkling him with salt water. Opening his blurry eyes, it was daytime. The sky green, the sun white, and the sand blue. He realized he must have held his breath for way too long. None of this made sense. A boat sat at the shore with a big bulbous creature holding two paddles. Come on, let's go. The creature beckoned towards him in an unusually tumultuously pitched voice that didn't really match his body and then sometimes would. Uh, what are you? Who, who are you? No time to answer. Come now, you. Village wait. What the f... I don't... William didn't know what to say. <laughs> he moved forwards, looking around at this weird place. The smell of fruits lingered in the air, his stomach hungry as can be. As he got onto the boat, the big creature began to row. Um, excuse me, sir. Where... Uh... Who... No talk. Village, wait! This guy wasn't much help. He only made William more confused. It seemed like they were rowing for hours. Why couldn't the sea creature from last night just pop up again and help me? Yeah, you know what, I'm sure. If I jump ship, I'll get out of here. He'll probably come to my aid. William stood to jump into the ocean when two arms quickly reached out to hold him in place, while the other two arms of the creature rowed the boat. What? What are you? Where am I? What is going on? William was losing his cool. It's one thing to see that weird fish that delivered him, another to be under a green sky over blue sand in the middle of the ocean, but this alien-looking creature now springs out two new arms on top of the two that he already has? No. Listen, pal, I want answers, and I want them... As William looked up at the shore, there were hundreds of even weirder-looking creatures all waiting for him. Human-looking, but definitely not human. And they all carried black-boned spears. They didn't look very friendly. If anything, they looked like a primitive tribe. Well, this was awkward. As they arrived at shore, they all stood waiting for him. William stepped off the rowboat, glanced at his captain, who now reverted back to just two arms. That's nice. His giant underbite and tusks poking out of his mouth. William walked through the crowd as they all opened up and made way for him, all staring at him with menacing eyes, anger, jealousy, interest. 
and some might even call hatred. But why? As the crowd opened up to an obsidian jewel-encrusted staircase, leading to an elegant-looking god-like creature carrying a scepter, everyone in the village bowed, and the king, William assumed it was their king, stood as he gracefully walked down the steps, coming face to face with William. Maybe seven feet tall, towering over him his muscular build, green large eyes peering into William's soft blue human eyes. The king walked around William as if smelling him, observing him, basking in his very essence as the entire village peeked through their bowing status. The king gripped his scepter, which also kind of looked like a spear, William couldn't really tell, ready to pierce through William, who only assumed was an outsider, clearly. He shut his eyes tight, ready for this to be it, when he heard a massive roar and cheering from the king, only to be followed by the hundreds of villagers all chanting, Ubayaki, 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 Ubayaki! They were doing flips and dancing. All of a sudden, a band started beating drums, like some strange instruments that were playing that William had found extremely foreign to anything that he had seen or heard before, but oddly riveting and blood pumping. The king grabbed William, shaking him by the shoulders and grinning with rows and rows of big teeth. Some beings in the village even looked to be crying. William couldn't help but smirk, yet feel absurd at the same time. What the heck is going on? He thought to himself. If only I can get away to the water, maybe that creature will pick me up again. He saw an opening and he ran for it. William took it through the villagers and jumped off a small cliff into the ocean, swimming away into the sea, waiting for the creature, which sure enough, came to pick him up. Yeah, hey buddy, all right, come on, take me out of here, man. Go, go, go. What, no, 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 not that way, the other way. The creature returned William to the shore. This time, the villagers angry, not understanding anything, confused, insulted. The king, a smile on his face, ordered his guards to grab William and take him through the jungle, leading to a massive palace, encrusted with jewels and rock, crystals that William had never seen before, colors that he had never seen before with his own eyes, combinations of oranges and purples, greens and blues, yellows and reds, as if his eyes were able to see new rays of light never before known to man. Flamed torches of blue, green, yellow, and red all burned on the walls, making the crystalline floor shimmer and dance like a rainbow along the magnificent architecture. Wow, this place is amazing, he thought to himself. The king, who somehow now was already sitting on his other throne, waited for William as the villagers began to wait outside the palace. Their tongues could be heard until the big doors shut, and then it was as quiet as ever. The king bellowed, to which William had no clue what to say. He stood there in the middle of the palace, shirtless and still damp. Uh, sorry, I don't know what that means. Uh... Uh, I'm William. Clearly there was a language barrier, when all of a sudden a droid came in shaped like a purple box, with a little round top for a head. It began to cycle through different languages that all seemed foreign to William until landing on, yeah, finally, English. Oh, you speak English, William said. Brilliant. Uh, where, what, what, what is this place? Am I, am I gonna die? 
The droid chuckled, if that was even a chuckle, as he moved closer and told William that the king wants to speak with him, but first he must bow. Ah, well, okay, makes sense, he thought. He got angry because I wasn't bowing. Okay, well, here you are, William said sarcastically as he bowed, all those years watching samurai and martial arts movies finally coming in handy. The showing of one's neck and head is a sign of submission and trust to whomever they bow to. It is a sign of great respect here in Otuonka, said the droid. I see, said William. Can you ask him where I am? How did I get here? The droid translated for the king. Reptunya leputasimo, ketratoya wihoya, sremtektu, chitaya mikolavokatara, unawakabiso zatoru. William looked confused as he waited for the droid to hesitantly turn back to him and reveal the translation. King Rikota says, the village has waited 10,000 years for you. You are the chosen one. William took a step back, at which the guards all got tense and moved forwards. They didn't like that. I... I'm sorry, I, I don't know what you're talking about. The droid translated back to the king, to which he became quite frustrated, grabbing two devices from one of his servants and throwing it to William. Athletic as he was, he ended up catching it, but luckily. Motioning him to put one piece to his neck and one piece to his temple. The droid instructed him properly, and William obliged. The king spoke again, and this time William could understand everything. Did you not enter the Eye of Raptoru? The Eye of what? The king walked towards William, his elegant cloak floating in the wind behind his long strides. You entered the Eye of Raptoru. This only was opened twice in 10,000 years. The one before? And now you. Who sent you here? William had no idea what the heck he was talking about. The eye of what? Look, I just saw some lights in the ocean. I was on vacation and I decided... It hit him. That wasn't a light. That was no light. That was the eye that this king speaks of. That was... No way. Was that a portal? asked William, excited and scared. The king walking away turned on his heel. Oh, so the boy has a brain after all. William took great offense to that. He may not have had many friends or been super popular, but his smarts outweighed any of that by a mile. I... yes, William said. I entered the portal, but I didn't know it was a portal. Is that what happened? I'm in some other place? How do I get home? He started to panic on the inside and the king glanced down at his sternum, as if able to see his vitals and heart beating faster. Could he? You are the first in 10,000 years, and now you have been brought to us. The eye only opens when the chosen one is near, otherwise it remains closed, never to be seen by anyone but the one it desires. Chosen? For what? I'm no chosen one, said William. Oh, not chosen one. Did you or did you not arrive here? I mean, yes, I did, but this has to be a mistake, a dream. The king approached William, his tall stature face to chest, as he towered over the boy, leaning forwards. If you are dreaming, then that means the nightmare hasn't even begun. 
William took a step back in fear. Things just became very serious. Wait, wait, wait. Why am I the chosen one? What's so special about me? The king's advisor rushed to intervene. My lord, he doesn't even know his own lineage. He is pathetic. Just another useless one like the last. He will lead us to extinction this time. The king paid no attention to his advisor and spoke directly to William. We will see in time. Yes. The doors opened abruptly and the king's guards knelt on one knee as they said the invaders are entering orbit. Invaders, William thought. What the heck? This is heavy, man. What am I am I seriously sleeping? Maybe I hit my head somewhere. Maybe I'm dead. The king pressed a button located on his armrest hidden behind a movable piece of crystal as loud bells could be heard from the village. Villagers beyond the gates could be heard from even within the palace as they screamed and all ran to their homes. What's happening? said William. The king grabbed his spear and four guards rushed to him as they adorned him with the most illustrious and beautifully aggressive armor William had ever seen. Encasing himself in black obsidian crystal, layered like a dragon's scales, with edges of luminous gold and red shimmering, as if enchanted with some sort of magic. If that were even possible, the scales all were shimmering like the ceiling of a cave reflecting moving water. Electrical nodes moving through the armor as it was bolted onto his body. He stood there, staring at William as his servants readied their lord, finally putting his helmet on. Answer me! What is going on here? What are those alarms? The king smirked, and his eyes told all. The nightmare is here. Guards, open the gates. Ready the army, said the king. As William watched the king move towards a hidden door, he asked if he needed armor too. The king turned and laughed, ignoring William as the guards pushed the boy towards the same door. As they moved out into a large desert, it was clear the other side of the palace was the coast. But a coast with jungle and water? Now he was standing in the midst of what looked to be a giant country of sand dunes, like something out of a science fiction series called Space Wizards that William used to watch back home on repeat. The king stood out on the hill of sand, looking into the abyss as the scorching heat emanated from the ground, creating a distorted haze of waves in the air. As William glanced behind him, he saw no army. The king just stood there, waiting, with a smile on his face. My lord, said the advisor of the king, are you sure? The king rose one finger to silence his servant, who stepped back in cowardice. As William looked out into the distance as the king's servant offered him a scope, he saw what looked to be one figure in the distance. Zooming in with this advanced piece of technology, which he found so strange for such a primitive tribe, yet they seemed to be so technologically beyond Earth, he started to see that this figure was really just an older man in a dark cloak holding a scepter with an orb on top. The man was clean-shaven, Handsome, broad, and tall, William gasped. He... he's... Uh, he... he's human, said William. The king frowned and said, Yes. But how? You said I was the only one here in the last 10,000 years. The king opened his mouth. And he was the other. William put the scope down, 
in shock. How, how is he still... Alive, said the king. He is your ancestor. You will soon learn. The prophecy foretold a being from your world would come to our salvation from the Yato. An evil, ancient, cruel peoples from another galaxy that enslaved our land for millennia. Until he came, developed his abilities under our guidance, and rivaled them. He beat them into submission, and we thought we were free. Until... Until the Yato made him an offer that he could not refuse. So he joined them, and every revolution of our sun returns to collect what the Yato desire. Our children, our kin. William listened intently, wide-eyed through the sun's glare. But what did they promise him? Couldn't just promise him something better? Why would he do such a horrible thing? The king smirked. Child, we do not move in the ways of the dark magic. Everything comes with a price, and he chose his fate with his gift, for it went hand in hand with his enslavement. He just does not see it, and even if he did, it would change nothing. The king never broke his gaze on the other earthling still walking towards them. No army, just himself, alone. Strange, William thought. He was expecting a massive battle, an army, of creatures that he had never seen before, much like the one in the ocean, or the ones on the island. But this was just one man. To be honest, he kind of just looked like some wizard that you would see at a carnival. William went quiet. This was far too much for him to handle. Was it too late to still think that he was dreaming? Was he too far in? You never answered my question. What did they offer him that would turn a human so corrupt and enslaved? They promised him his dead wife and children to return to him in this world. They died on yours, and the Yato resurrected them into some abomination. The love in his heart was turned black with greed and selfish nature. He could not let them rest. He could not let go. And in return, takes our children every year for the Yato. We never see them again. William kept looking back and forth from the towering king to the human in the distance. What do they want with your children? We do not know for sure. They turn them into slaves, hoping one will exhibit powers just like him, so that they may control it. They want to find another one of him. William started to realize how dangerous this all was. And why can't you guys defeat him? He is like you, only due in existence. In time, you will learn to unlock your abilities and master them as he has. In time? I didn't sign up for any of this. What abilities? I'm just a human. We don't have ability. William felt the coldest of ice run down his back as the hot sun was just scorching his skin. He now felt unbelievably cold as he looked behind him. The same human that was in the distance so far away walking slowly was now standing several feet away. Too shocked and frozen to move, William was paralyzed. The king turned to him and spoke. Aravor, the rotation is not yet due for another several moon cycles. Why are you here? The man did not make eye contact, his large hooded cloak covering his eyes, his scepter sparkling in the sunlight as if smoke 
and sparks were swirling inside. I sensed something, said Erevor. Yes, one of my own. The king became aggressive and showed his teeth. He is not for you. You will not plague him with your shattered ideals you learned from those beasts. Ah, still full of that temper. You'd think you would have more respect for your former student, but I guess respect isn't a thing of your people's. You dare talk to me of respect, Aravor. I should have you... Have me what? Do you remember last time? I spared your life. There is nothing you or your people can do to me. The king gritted his teeth and looked down upon Erevor, unable to do anything. He knew this warlock was too powerful and could destroy this place if he wished. That's a good little king, said Erevor. Now, bring the king to me and I will be on my way. You are early! Yes, I am. And will you defy me? William found this whole situation horrible. He's going to take the children of the village? No. No, said William. You will not take any more children. Quiet, boy! Oh, said Erevor, turning his head slightly to William. Perhaps I shall take you instead. The king moved forwards to which Erevor twitched his upper lip and sent the king flying backwards into the sand. The guards all ran at Erevor who merely twisted his scepter slightly and reduced all of the guards to butterflies that caught on fire from the sun's heat. William watched in shock as they reduced to ash and floated away into the sky. With everything going on, he just realized that the sky was blue not green like where he had just come from before the door. What? Now, if you don't mind, go fetch them or I will walk through that portal and get them all myself as a consequence for being difficult. The king spoke into his wrist as he snarled, still laying in the sand, telling the advisor to bring the kin through. Bring the children. Erevor watched as the servant came through the door, which William just realized was another portal, and brought the children to him. Erevor grabbed the crying kids, winked and stomped his staff into the sand, sinking into it immediately and vanishing with the prisoners. As the grains of sand settled back down, the king rose to his feet, cursing the skies. We have to get them back. We have to find them. The king dropped to his knees as he bore his fists into the sands, his giant mitts creating craters in the dunes that sounded like thunder. You cannot fathom the depths of his darkness. If it were not for the hold the Yato have on him, he would conquer everything under and over these stars. That is why you are our only hope. We have waited too long and you will not squander our sacrifices for your childish dreams of becoming the hero so soon. You are not ready, and we do not have much time until the next cycle, upon which he will return and take more. Why didn't he just take me, then? He fears your potential will rival his. If the Yato know of your existence... Boy, you will keep quiet. They will train you in their ways. They will take you and order you to destroy him in time. They do not trust him 
as much as he does not trust them. He is only loyal to them so long as they keep his family. The king paused. <sighs> Alive. There was a softness to his expression of the word, as if he, too, lost someone. Come. Whoa, hey, look, I didn't sign up for this. I just want to go back home. I'm sorry that you have these problems. I'm sorry for everything, but this has nothing to do with me. I just came here by accident, and I just want to go home. The king smiled and rested his large hand on William's shoulder. Where do you think the Yatu will go once they have taken all of our children? The eye opens only for the Chosen One. He is the other half, and together you make one. Two souls split from a singular. That is why he left you here. He hates our enemies as much as we do, but he is a slave to his attachments. He cannot let go, and in turn he suffers. We suffer, and he will never be free. And neither will we. Your world is now next, that the eye has been reopened. He will find it, and he will never stop. For if he does, his wife will die again and again forever. And then there is no bounds that his power knows, no rage big enough that would cure his pain. He will turn everything you have loved into fire and ash as he makes you... The king paused, looking away, his face contorting, fighting as hard as he could to hold back whatever emotion was being contained like an overflowing dam in his soul. He changed his tune, grabbed William by the back of the neck and walked him through the door, portaling them back to the palace. Gods, ready the chamber. Your training begins now. William walked back through the door and immediately told the king, I don't want to do this. I want to go back home. Stupid boy. Do you not see there will be no home to go back to? Everything you cherish and everyone you love will burn right before your eyes as he makes you watch and then... He will bend you to his will. He will break you with everything you hold to your heart. The king roughly let go of William's shoulder as he ordered his servants to bring the Basin of Truth. Right away, four servants brought over this ancient-looking stone bowl that stood six feet tall. The designs were beautiful. The architecture was so elaborate and almost seemed to be over the top for such a simple stone basin. One final servant, dressed in all gold, walked out of the distance carrying a golden, thick liquid in a big, clear bottle. William assumed that it was glass, but with this place, he couldn't assume anything, really. As the stone basin was filled to the brim with golden liquid, the king grabbed William, lifted him in the air, and dunked his entire head into the basin. Expecting to feel wet, he felt dry. Expecting to hold his breath so water won't get in? He was breathing. What the heck was this? William thought as he fought against the king to get free, but it was no use. The man was a giant, after all, with ungodly power. William! He heard his mother and opened his eyes. The dream must be over, he thought. When he saw her standing before him, along with his father and two sisters and little brother, all on fire and burnt, unmoving as they turned to ash and blew away in the wind, which carried them along the fire-swept land of what looked like his neighborhood. Screams from all of the houses burned into his ears, just as they did before his eyes. 
He watched in the distance as demon dogs ran through the streets, ripping people apart, eating them, some just biting a chunk out of humans and leaving them there to scream and die as they burnt to death. William was transported to all corners of the world, men, women, and children, all suffering the same fate. Some worse, some just dead. Lucky for them. Ghoulish-looking, hunched goblins ran around with black knives, ending people at will. Torture, hatred, fear seethed from the world as William now watched from space as if floating like one of his superheroes that he used to read in his comic books. The world as bright as the sun, as it swelled with flames. The tears flowed down his cheeks, even though the so-called water of this liquid, which really wasn't liquid at all, should have prevented him from feeling wet, should have prevented him from feeling any tears streaming down his face, but yet he felt dry. With all of his might, he shook his head and pushed himself away from the basin, but as much as he fought, the king kept him there with super strength. William screamed, stop it, stop it, I don't want to see anymore, when all of a sudden, Will, Willie, that voice, it was Violet. She laughed, and he saw her run her hands through his hair. They were at the tree. This was the same place they shared the first kiss, and he carved their initials into the tree, V.W. He looked to the sunset sure that he had finally woken up, relieved. The sweet smell of summer rushing through his linen button-up shirt. Oh, God, what a horrible dream, he thought, as he felt the grass on his feet. William, she said, as he cranked his neck to see her beautiful face contorted, hanging from the tree, her lifeless body dangling on fire as she stared at him. A goblin moved behind him, and then William turned to stare. Erevor. He was here, turning his stick as he looked back at dead Violet, who was now whole and lifelike again, as she looked back at Erevor to attack him who was no longer there. Turning back, he saw her screaming for his help. Help me, William! Save me! As she burnt, he ran to her to try and put the flames out, but as he did, parts of her body broke off into ash and flew away into the wind. Erevor, standing behind him now. You belong to me now, boy. (laughs) William couldn't take it anymore. He kicked and screamed through the gold liquid as it shattered into pieces and the king went flying backwards. The guards ran at William full force as the king screamed, No! But it was too late. They tried to strike the boy, but were stricken in place, unable to move, their spears turning into water, dribbling down their hands as their clothes began to catch fire. One fell through the floor and the other became mad as he ran into a wall repeatedly. Enough, said the king, throwing a blunt object from his glove at William, knocking him out. As the king and his advisor stood over William, He began to come to, in and out of consciousness. Do you believe now? Said the king. William moved his head around, exhausted. Huh? Uh, uh, uh. These are your first steps. Rest. Eat. We begin again. When you wake. William woke up in a little cot, and barely a pillow, if you could really call it that. 
his head pounding and his eyes burned like a hangover with a vengeance. Where am I, he thought. So much for royalty, chosen one, you know, what kind of a chosen one gets a bed like this? As the king's servants entered, William realized it wasn't a dream. He needed to stop doing that and to realize this place was happening, whether he wanted to or not. They put some of the most delicious and foreign-looking and smelling food William had ever seen as they motioned for him to sit at the table. The king has ordered for you to eat as much as you can. Training starts tonight. Tonight? William said. But isn't it morning? The servants all submissive and afraid. Sir, it, it has been four revolutions of your sleep. William suddenly realized why he was starving and so thirsty. His head pounded for liquid. He rushed to the table and ate ravenously. He didn't even know what he was eating, but it was the most delicious thing that he had ever tasted. Orange-colored meats, purple vegetables, or what looked to be something from the ground at least. Multicolored drinks of all kinds, everything new to his taste buds. And the desserts! He didn't even know sugar could taste like this. Or was it sugar? After eating the entire table, William sat with an extended stomach and ready to sleep for another four nights, this time willingly. As he sat, he looked to the dancing green fire that warmed his room. Odd, he thought. He had never seen green fire except for in the palace. One hand on his obsidian crystalline cup, taking another gulp of whatever liquid this was. He looked at the clothes hung on the back end of the door, facing him. He walked over and grabbed them, his stomach hanging low. <laughs> full of what seemed like all of the food on this, well, planet, island, William questioned. Donning the clothing, he looked down and felt like an idiot. Yes, but a royal chosen one idiot, he thought and laughed to himself. <laughs> green pants, green shirt, made of a material he had never felt before. It felt so thick between his fingers, yet once he wore it, felt like he wasn't wearing clothing at all. Truly bizarre, he thought. The patterns were merely just the way that they were threaded, although they seemed to be one piece, as if some sort of alien, metallic metal woven into some actual fabric. Patterns and waves all alike, with all the same color tone, just different shades. It was as if this was not from thread, but one giant piece of something that really seemed impenetrable. William grabbed the sharp knife from the table and tried cutting the cloth. Impossible. The knife bent in pursuit of going through the impregnable garment. Magic, he whispered. He thought. He assumed. William was beginning to believe. But believe what? Suddenly, his head struck with sharp pain, dropping him to one knee as he knelt and held his head in one hand. Searing pain scorching his cranium like electrical currents passing through the contents of his skull, remembering slowly what had happened before he passed out. And it felt like the food was about to come all out of his stomach and back onto the table which he made his way to, sitting back into the chair. The visions he saw of his parents, his family, of Violet. He stood to his feet, his hand on his heart, but no, that wasn't all he remembered. He knew that there was more, but he could not search for it. He could not remember. The door slammed open as the king's advisor entered. Our lord awaits. Come. William could tell this guy hated him, but hey, whatever. He entered the courtyard with the advisor. It looked like an arena, the king standing in the middle, in a similar tunic, just 
gold, and although you know, much more illustrious, of course. Have you fed? said the king with a smile on his face. William nodded. What happened? The king smirked. You proved your prophecy. What? The king silenced the boy. Now, are you ready to rid this evil from our world and yours and the rest of the galaxies? Galaxies? William thought. Yes, he said sternly. I am, said William as he positioned himself into a fierce karate stance. He was the karate champ back in his hometown, the valley, undefeated. The king chuckled. (laughs) What is that? I'm getting ready for training. Is that not what you wanted? The king laughed from his muscular belly. (laughs) As he held it with one hand, the other on his spear. You earthlings are all the same. Our training has nothing to do with the mind, boy, but rather with the soul, the heart, your energy within. William immediately got out of his karate stance and felt embarrassed, as he should. The king twisted his spear with his index finger and thumb ever so slightly, moving towards William. The entire arena changed to the street back home in his neighborhood. Hey, why are we here? What are you doing? Focus. Do you see your house behind you? William turned and nodded. Inside, you will find your parents. I want you to imagine them happy, full of hope. You returned home, and they embrace you. William felt the love in his heart. As he was transported inside his home, the doorbell rang. It was Violet, as beautiful and sweet as ever holding a plate of freshly baked peanut butter chocolate chip cookies for him. Oh man, he could smell them. Oh, thank God, he thought, hugging her, embracing her, giving her a kiss on the lips. It was really all a dream. What was a dream, William? You're acting funny. William, bring Violet in and let's start dinner. As they began to eat, he looked over to Violet. She was glancing at him. She knew what he was thinking, and she missed him too. As they all made small talk and ended with a nice big dessert, William's favorite, a nice New York cheesecake. His mother asked, so when are you two getting married finally? Mom, stop. Violet giggled. Personally, she couldn't wait for William to ask the question. They had been dating for four years already, and she knew that he was the one, and he felt the same. William continued to eat his cake happy as can be, already forgetting about his horrible dream and nightmare. He was back home and with his family, when all of a sudden he tasted something very bitter in his mouth. Ah, Mom, did you put one of those fake cherries in here again? As he pried the cherry out of his mouth, he said, Yuck! But nobody responded. Looking up, he saw his entire family burnt, smoldering on fire, screaming for help. He pushed himself away from the table. No, no, not again. The entire house went up in flames as everyone burnt inside, screaming for him. He tried to save them, but all of a sudden he was in the middle of the street. He now was seeing what he saw earlier in the basin. He remembered, he remembered it all. The king ordered his guards to attack William. As he kept his eyes closed, one guard froze in place once again, but this time actually froze with icicles hanging off of his robes, literally froze as he exploded into a million different pieces. 
while the other guard tried to stab William with his spike, going right through William, literally right through his body as if he were a ghost. William moved his hand upwards, sending the guard thousands of feet into the air and exploding him into a million different pieces. The third guard swung chains of fire daggers at William, like one of the characters from one of his favorite fighting games. This guard was well-equipped and well-trained. He wrapped the chains of fire around William's neck, successfully pulling William to the ground. As he was kicked in the ribs by the fourth and final guard, who upon the fifth kick to William's ribs, broke his foot on William's stomach. The guard screamed in pain, the fire chains burning into William's neck as he screamed, tightening like a noose. William raised one hand as if begging for mercy, when, in actuality, he was summoning some black magic orb into his palm as lines of every color imaginable swirled within it. Sucking in all the light of the room, the guard with the broken foot hobbled and grabbed his palm to close it as his skin began to become encrusted with black veins pulsating into his eyes, fading him into a gray vessel stricken with a look of terror on his face, while William put both hands onto the floor and sent a pulse through it that even left the king staggering to find his balance. As the final guard with the fire chains fell off of his feet, William stood, his eyes still shut, raising his hands and telekinetically piercing the guard with the same chains, stringing him up to a nearby tree, the same one that he used to play at as a kid on his block. Now in William's mind, he was still back home, but in reality, he was in the arena with the king. William, full of rage, moved to the king who turned his stick the opposite way, bringing William back out of the reality he thought he was just in, his eyes still closed, doing all of this with just his mind, with feeling, with seeing. Not seeing through the physical sense, but seeing through his soul, through his energy, and the energy of all those around him, seeing like he had never seen before. Barely breathing at all, calm as could be, he grabbed the king's stick, to which the king's eyes widened with fear as he lifted it and slammed the end to the ground, spinning William and landing him to his bottom on the floor. Stay with me, boy. Fight the emotions. Control them. You must not lose control so easily. He will use that to his advantage, and he will set you free upon every world. Only I will not be there to wake you. Smacking William on the neck, waking him up, William could barely breathe. <sighs> barely speak, barely see as he crawled on the floor, panting, as if through broken ribs he looked around. He observed the droids that were actually the guards, all their nuts and bolts, springs and oil spilt on the floor. These machines looked and felt just like superhumans ordering his servants to clean up the mess and build more training droids. The king grabbed William by the collar and lifted him, only to drop him a second later, hoping that he would have landed on his feet, but he did not. Ugh, said the king. William crawled on the floor, whispering for help, the exhaustion getting to him. Aravor will not grant you such mercy, boy. You must adapt now or your nightmares will become reality. William closed his eyes, turning on his back and passing out, falling into a dream, hopefully a good one, this time. As the king's advisor came, he said, My lord, he is powerful of the mind, but weak of the will. 
His body is too human. He still does not believe what yet is capable of him. The king observed the boy, sleeping soundly, opening his mouth as he replied, The boy is powerful. In the wrong hands, we will all be doomed. Is there help? said the king's advisor. That is up to him. The boy is strong, yes, but his tenacity... He still does not believe. <sighs> Typical humans. Send him to his quarters until he wakes. I will summon the spirits of the elders for guidance. M my lord! The servant was shocked but knew his place. He bowed and William was sent to his quarters as the king ordered. The king turned on his heel and moved to the shadowlands of his world, throwing pouches of chrome sand into the pit of Elsmerium, chanting the ancients to waken. He spoke of the old language as nine red spirits appeared, each one grumpier looking than the next. I summon thee, elders, for guidance. The boy, he has powers I have never seen before, more than, more than the last. But he is untrained, entitled, unbalanced, untamed. said one of the spirits. They all spoke at random. Train the boy, learn from your past. I fear I will... I, I will... Fail him? Said the spirit at the end. Like you did The king dropped to his knees, head down. Guide me, elders. Guide me. The ghosts floated and fell silent as they joined into one singular being, youthful, powerful, landing to the ground gracefully, resting his hand on the king's bowed head. Stand, king. The time has come, the elder said. Do not fear your failures of the past. Learn from them. Let them strengthen tomorrow's resolve. Go unto the night fearless, for if you fail, you know you did so with true hearts. The king bowed. Push the boy, do not fear his power. For we are with you, and him, and our people. In time he will prove to you his tenacity. But it is not something you can summon through us. The voyage is his and yours alone. He must be willing. You cannot make him. Fix the present and tomorrow will arrive with fear. Fix today and tomorrow will arrive with clear skies. Do all you can, and if no more can be done, rest your soul for nothing more. Rest your soul knowing you did all you could, our son. Yes, Elder. Now go, fearless, 
Make your ancestors proud. Your King Joris, son of Nixmore and House of Prathista. We are with you. In spirit, mind, soul, and the ether. The spirit divided into nine again, and all receded into the pit of Elsmerium, their red glow fading out like a dying ember. The king looked to the night sky, the colorful stars riddling the darkness. Ever since he was a little boy, thousands of years ago, he would always look at one star in particular, an orb that had all the colors, oddly enough just like the magical orb that William had conjured without him knowing it. Of all the stars that he had traveled to, the king had never made it to that one. Perhaps one day, he whispered to himself, but not yet. The moons warming his face as the gentle breeze swam through his robes. The night was calm, collected. He closed his eyes, and he knew he could train the boy. It was just up to the boy to want to be trained, to want to succeed, to want to believe. The king remembered his training when he was a boy. He remembered his father. He smiled and looked up at the stars as if trying to find him, opening his mouth to speak to him. When the sirens rang, what? He said. How could this be? The boy was not ready. Why are they here? As he looked to the sky, he saw the ships of the ancient Yachtol entering the atmosphere from above. No, 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 no! Erevor's ship led the battalion of ships, racing towards the island. They were here for the boy. The king could feel it. He knew it. He jumped into the ocean quickly and summoned Girdosa, the largest creature of the waters, to race him back to the palace as the bells tolled in the darkness. The king rushed back to the village as he looked to the sky and saw the underbelly of the massive Yato ships passing over him. As fast as his steed swam, it wasn't quick enough. The king's powerful strokes through the water propelled him forwards with a speed that defied nature. Riding atop Girdosa, whose scales shimmered like a thousand suns beneath the moon's light, the water creature's roars echoed, a sound of ancient power and fury, as it sensed the urgency and danger of the moment. Reaching the palace shores, the king leapt off, his cloak flapping behind him like a dark flag of war. His feet barely touched the ground as he sprinted towards the high walls and arching towers of his kingdom's last stronghold. The air was heavy with a mix of fear and determination. Every step he took was faster, driven by the weight of his responsibility and the looming threat overhead. The sky darkened as the Yato ships descended, their forms blotting out the stars, a swarm of darkness against the celestial tapestry. Their presence was an omen, a shadow of doom that had finally come to pass. The king's heart pounded not with fear, but with a fierce resolve to protect his realm and the boy who held the key to their salvation. As he burst through the palace doors, the chaos of preparation and defense met his eyes. Soldiers rushed to their positions, archers took to the battlements, and mages chanted incantations of protection. Amidst the flurry, the king's gaze was like a beacon, cutting through the uncertainty and rallying his people with an unspoken promise of steadfast leadership. He made his way to William's quarters, the echoes of his heavy boots resounding in the empty halls. As he entered, he saw the boy, still in the throes of exhaustion, 
and haunted by the visions he'd been forced to witness. The king's face softened for a moment, a rare glimpse of the burden he carried, not just as a ruler, but as a guardian to this young, untested soul. William, he said, his voice a mix of urgency and reassurance. The time has come sooner than we anticipated. The enemy is at our gates and we must stand together. You've seen the horrors that await should we fail. I know you are afraid, and that is all right. Fear reminds us that we are alive and what we're fighting to protect. But within you is a power, a destiny that even the stars cannot deny. William's eyes, heavy with sleep and confusion, met the king's. There was a moment, a silent communication between a mentor and his protege, a transfer of trust and hope. Outside, the sounds of the approaching threat grew louder, a symphony of impending doom. The king extended his hand to William, helping him to his feet. You are not alone in this. We stand together as a kingdom, as a people bound by the will to survive and thrive. You, William, are the spark that will light our darkest hour. Together, they walked out of the quarters, the king tall and imposing, and William still unsure but steadied by the king's confidence. They walked past the courtyard where all the warriors and villages stood, ready to fight. Hey, where are we going? The villagers are over there. Why do the bells toll? What's happening? Is he back? The king fell silent and continued to lead William to a black door with red triangular knobs that were welded unmovable, covered in wriggling poisonous vines. The king waved his hand over the door and the vines vanished. He looked at William in the eyes and said, You are our only hope. Opening the door, he shoved William inside and locked it, leaving him there, as he turned swiftly and went to meet his men and the rest of the villagers. Stepping into the courtyard, where soldiers, citizens, allies all gathered, their faces a mixture of fear, determination, and hope. The king addressed them all, his voice carrying over the crowd, strong and clear. Today, we face our greatest challenge, an enemy that seeks to extinguish the light of our world. But we are not mere members waiting to fade. We are a fire that will burn bright and fierce. We stand together, each of us a warrior in our own right, united by a common cause. Look to your left, to your right. These are your brothers and sisters in arms. Together, we will hold the darkness at bay for our home, for our families, for the future. A roar of agreement rose from the crowd, a sound that would carry into the night and into the heart of every being that stood against the darkness. The battle was about to begin, and the fate of the world hung in the balance, ready to defend their home against the encroaching shadows. As the first ship broke through the clouds, a new chapter in the saga of their lives was about to be written, one of courage, sacrifice, and the unyielding spirit of those who stand against the dark, even against all odds. Hello, said William into the large echo that reverberated back to his ears. A giant room of all white as far as the eye could see. What is this place, he thought. Hello. His voice echoed a thousand times into nothingness. Walking into what seemed like the middle of the infinite either, he turned around over and over again to see his surroundings. 
as if something were watching him. Still tired from his performance earlier, he sprang awake as 15 guards came running at him from all sides. They literally just apparated out of thin air, but what? Before William could even think, one of them beat him across the back of the head with a club, knocking him down. As the others neared with caution, each with a different respective weapon, William felt the warm blood leak down his neck. This was real. Another whack to his ribs. He screamed out in pain as the guards beat him. As the third came to kick him in the face, William's ancient instincts kicked in and he sent the guards flying back into the white fog. As he slowly got to his feet, the 15 guards ran at him again from all corners. Closing his eyes, William levitated unwillingly, but allowed his body the permission to do what it needed. They continued to beat him repeatedly, but he felt nothing, floating there in place, gliding over them as their weapons bounced off, causing little to no damage. William floated upside down and touched each one on the forehead, gently as they began to writhe in pain, grabbing their minds as they were driven to insanity. They began fighting each other as William landed on the white floor, his eyes returning from the back of his head, and he watched them all kill each other in a frenzy. The ground shook. What was that noise? William turned to find a hulking monster silhouetted in the fog, 20 feet tall maybe, approaching him, ready to eat him whole. As William stood his ground, he allowed the creature to grab him as his eyes turned pure black, long spikes emerging from his body, piercing through the beast's hand, letting him go in pain as William floated in place. Gliding up to the creature's mouth, he grabbed its snout and climbed inside the beast, setting it on fire as he pushed his way only to emerge from within its chest, holding its heart in his hands, covered in blue organs and blood. It would seem William was allowing his powers to act freely, rather than trying to use his powers which was an inorganic forced action. When he pushed his abilities to happen, they didn't. However, out of desperation, when his body had no other choice than to act freely, autonomously, on instinct, it seemed that it was there to protect him. Could this be the ancient magic, or was it truly his abilities manifesting themselves? Emerging victorious with the large beating heart, he dropped it to the floor, exhausted. Several servants appeared, lifting William and taking him to a luxurious bed. Long table full of every food that he could dream of, and not just food of this world, but of Earth, too. Burgers, pizza, rice, marinated meats and fruits, barbecue, cookies and desserts. William collapsed on his bed and slept for as long as he needed. Outside on the battlefield, the Yachtol landed their ships next to Erevor. The ship's ramp opening down as the warlock stepped out, his heavy boots thudding through the village as he walked. Both hands on his belt, scepter floating next to him like a dog. He looked around, smelling the air. Ah, I was hoping to forget the stink of this place. But it seems it's something unavoidable. One of the parents of the captured children ran at Erevor with a war cry and blade. As he jumped into the air to attack and avenge his child, he froze an inch from Erevor's face, who was found yawning. The villagers' limbs melted onto the sand as his body shook and his skin peeled off from the bone, leaving behind a floating skeleton who was pushed back into the man's wife as she grabbed it and screamed. 
Erevor smiled from the corner of his lips. You creatures never learn, do you? Ah, well. You're probably wondering what we're doing here. More children, of course. And one in particular for me. You just took our children, Erevor. No, 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 my old, weak master. The boy. He is for me. I want him. And the Yato Morkin. The king's advisor stood next to him, and they telepathically communicated. Where's the boy, sire? He is in the chamber of time. The king's advisor raised his eyebrow. But, sire... Yes, it is true. He will spend a year there, but to us, it will be no more than ten minutes at most. The chamber will equip him with his weaknesses and bring his powers out of him. If we can just hold them off, until then... We don't have ten minutes, my lord. In an instant, our bones will be one with the sand that we hold foot on. The king remained silent, literally and telepathically. Erevor put his hands out, as if waiting for a gift. A surprised and entitled expression on his face. The king hated his humor. It must be a human thing, he thought. It was disgusting, revolting, and immature. The king sneered and thought, Only eight more minutes. Erevor walked towards the king as his guards pointed their spears at him. Oh, please said Erevor as he used his magic to crush the helmets of every guard, like squeezing a fruit in a vice for juice as their blood leaked out. The villagers screamed, some ran, some fainted. Erevor turned to the crowd and spoke with his hands. I'll tell you what, for every minute that the boy isn't in my grasp, I will kill ten of your people. Does that sound fair? I'm feeling quite generous and playful today, King. Let's start with the first ten. You lot. Erevor pointed to a group of several families in the crowd. Come here. He motioned with his index finger. I said come. Erevor used his magic to pull all of the family to him as they screamed, each one dying a different way than the other. William woke from his sleep, hungry as can be. As he ran to the table and devoured food, the servants coming to him as he ate. Mmm, what is this place? Mm, this food is delicious. Hey, can I get some more meat, please? Immediately, all of the food that William requested appeared to him. However, the servants did not speak to him. They informed him of nothing. As he finished eating, fifty guards emerged and all came running. William sprang up from his chair, wiping his mouth of grease ready to fight. Throwing a group into the ether while sinking a few more into the floor, crushing several in place and turning some into flowers while others burning into a pile of bones, William decided to see how creative he could get. All he needed to do was to believe like the king had told him. He allowed his eyes to roll back as they turned orange. He felt playful and free, beginning to believe his limits were merely just that, limits created by his mind. Breaking a piece off of the bones that lay there, he used it as a spear, shooting through every guard in the room at insidious speeds, so fast that it caught on fire and not only impaled his foe, but incinerated them at the same time. Twenty remained. The shard of bone shot into the air, broke into twenty pieces, and exploded at the guards like a frag grenade, all precise, hitting them in the head. 
keeping William safe, of course. He was mastering his abilities. Smiling, he was growing quite powerful. As the training continued for months, William tried new ways to reinvent his lethal abilities, his arrogance growing. I got this, he thought. No more did he fall into a deep slumber from exhaustion. His body was changing and adapting to his magic. Waiting for the next wave of enemies, his surroundings were no longer a mist of everlasting fog, but rather his street back home, as things lit on fire. He was back in this dream. His heart began to race, his fear reaching ungodly levels. He was being tested. Monsters like the ones that the Yato sent in his vision ran at him. These were different than the guards and beasts, of course. These were extremely powerful, hungry, vicious, magical creatures that he could tell had dark energy entranced within their possession. They ran at him as William opened the floor beneath their hoofs, dropping into the abyss as others behind leapt over. They were smart, learning from their fallen. One jumped at William and bit him in the shoulder as he screamed in pain throwing the beast off as another toward his leg, sinking its massive fangs into him, allowing several more to rip into William with their sharp talons. William screaming with pain as he used his powers to throw the stones all around him, but to no use. These creatures were so powerful and had their own magic that they tore into him when, suddenly, a scream pierced the cacophony, a voice that he recognized. He turned to see beautiful Violet not the burnt apparition from his visions, but the real, living Violet, cornered by a hulking enemy. Without thought, William shot lightning from his body as each hound was incinerated immediately, as he floated, poorly, mind you, with extreme exhaustion, his feet dragging on the floor, tired and bleeding all over the place, badly. William! Violet's voice was a mix of relief and disbelief. How did you... He didn't have time to answer. He pulled her behind him, turning to face the next wave of attackers. They came, a relentless tide, but William met them with a fury that he'd never known. Each move, each burst of power, was a defiance, a refusal to let the darkness win. Beside him, Violet watched in awe and terror as William transformed before her eyes. No longer the boy that she knew, but a force of nature, a storm of power and rage. His hands moved with a fluid grace, a deadly ballet as he deflected, struck, and obliterated the enemies that surged towards them. William, what's happening to you? Violet's voice trembled, a mix of fear and fascination. I don't know. William replied between breaths, his eyes never leaving the advancing foes. But I can't stop now. Not when you're here, not when everyone's lives are at stake. The street around them became a war zone. The familiar houses and trees twisted into grotesque shapes. The air thick with the stench of burning and the sounds of chaos. The sky, once a serene blue, was now a swirling vortex of dark clouds, reflecting the turmoil below on Earth. William could feel the power coursing through him, through his very veins, an unending well of energy that responded to his every command. He could shape it, mold it, direct it with a thought, a gesture. It was intoxicating. The sense of control and strength but behind it all, a thread of fear wove through his heart. What was he becoming? Could he control this power, or would it eventually control him? Look out! Violet's scream snapped him back into the moment, just in time to see a massive creature, a nightmare made of flesh, bearing down on them. Its eyes burned with a malevolent intelligence, its claws dripped with the promise of death. Without hesitation, William stepped forward, his power flaring around him like a shield. 
He met the creature head-on, a collision of forces that shook the very ground beneath their feet. The beast roared in fury, but William roared back. A primal sound that was more than human, more than anything he had ever been before. The battle raged on, a dance of destruction and defiance. With every move, William felt himself slipping further into the abyss of his power, the lines between man and magic blurring until he wasn't sure where one ended and the other began. Violet's presence anchored him, her voice a lifeline in the storm. But even she seemed distant, a figure in a dream that was quickly turning into a nightmare. As the beast lay defeated at his feet, William looked up at the devastation. The once familiar street, now an alien landscape of fire and ruin. He felt a surge of victory, of triumph, but it was hollow, empty. This wasn't the world he wanted to save, a world of ashes and sorrow. Violet approached him, her face a mask of concern and awe. William, you did it. You saved us. As he hugged her, she broke his arm, and he opened his eyes to see Erevor standing before him, laughing. <laughs> Stupid boy. Oh, Violet, Violet, why don't you look at her? Erevor pointed to that tree on the hilltop as Violet swung noose at the neck. William screamed and used his one arm to crush Erevor, who remained unharmed, laughing. <laughs> no, this isn't real. You're not real. As William became dizzy, the image of Erevor, now hazy. I will devour this world, and when it is nothing but ash and bones, I will move to your world and make your people my slaves. In particular, sweet, innocent, violet. Maybe, perhaps, she will be my plaything for eternity. <laughs> William's stomach fell to his feet. His arms burned the hieroglyphs of the ancients, like tattoos all over his body, appearing through magic. His eyes fixated on Erevor, turning red with unbridled rage. The king's voice echoed in his mind. Don't be afraid. Let go. Let it all go. William breathed outwards from his nostrils. As he broke the time chamber, flying out into the night sky as he floated beneath the clouds, his gaze was drawn upwards to the swirling sky where more and more ships of the Yakto flew overhead, spawning smaller sprinter fighter ships into the skies, blasting the lands. The ships of the ancient Yakto descended like vultures, their intent clear and deadly. William summoned a shard of bone from his broken arm turning it into a lethal knife and sent it to every little sprinter ship in the sky, burning the lands, bringing them to a disastrous crash. Screams from the village could be heard as he darted through the night's thick, smoggy air. The speed of light, like a crack of lightning, William appeared at the village, but no one was there. Where was Erevor? The king? The villagers? The Yato? William walked through the wreckage of bodies and fire, the smell of magic lingering through the air. As he found the king's magic stick, grabbing it, he felt the pain it held in its final moments. No, whimpered William. He was too late. The smell of magic blew in the wind to his nose. The trail of blood and dust led him through the jungle. 
the palace, he thought. Racing through the skies, he was almost there when something punched him back to the village like a shockwave, hurling him miles into the sky. A chilling laugh pierced the silence. <laughs> Erevor emerged from a portal that he manifested, his presence dark and imposing. Reality burned like a flame moving up a wick, revealing the destruction of the place. Erevor was manipulating reality to reveal the king on his knees, the Yato's warriors holding blades to his throat as they made him watch the elimination of his peoples. Behind him, the captured villagers, including the king, were bound in the ethereal chains, their eyes wide with fear. Ah, William, any longer and your king here would have seen the extinction of his village. Erevor used magic to throw another lifeless villager's body into the pit of the carcasses that he had amassed. We've all been waiting for you, as he flicked his finger and set them all ablaze. The villagers crying for the loss of their families, the king shrieking in agony and desperation, tears streaming down his wet face. William raised his hand, only to be sent back into a tree by Erevor. Stupid child. Ten thousand years I've owned my powers. You think one year in your little time chamber will rival me? The king shocked as Erevor turned his neck back to look right into his eyes. That's right, king. I know all about your chamber. I waited for the boy even so. I fear nothing. I was the chosen one. The only difference is I was smart enough to see my potential and how it was wasted on you people who merely used me. The Yato trained me in all ways of magic and gave me what you could not. His head pounding, William got up quickly to meet Erevor who teleported to him, kneeing him in the mouth and pushing his heel to William's face, pressing in looking down upon him with a smug grin. You see, boy, once I'm done here and give the Yato what they want, I will take your powers and make them my own. Two halves will be once again complete after 10,000 years. I will become the most powerful being in all the universes. Speaking of which, after I'm done turning this world to bones and dust to pave way for the Yato to do as they please, I will enter the Eye of Reptoru and take your world and everyone you hold so dear in it, just like I told you in your little chamber. William's eyes widened. Oh, did you think that was a dream? Never doubt my powers, boy. William's eyes sparked with rage as he burst into flames, his entire body a raging fire as it burned Erevor's boot, who leaned in and shot a burst of cooling air from his mouth. Putting William out completely and back to his normal state, Erevor lifted his boot and laughed. <laughs> you truly think rage will defeat me? Erevor spoke to the boy, lifting his arms into the sky, summoning the clouds and lightning up above, readying his attack. As the storm brewed above, waiting for Erevor's command, he stopped and said to William, I wasn't lying, you know, yelling as the weather turned very volatile fast, yelling over the sound of swaying trees and thunder and lightning in the sky. 
William on his back, who was staring at the perilous sea of lightning above him as the oceans were angry, tides were rising, fixing his gaze on the dark wizard at his next words. That's right. Ervor smirked an ungodly evil grin again. Violet will be my little slave for eternity. She'll do whatever I... Lightning struck, but not William. It hit Erevor from the skies above. William floated in the air, his body shimmering in the moonlight, almost a silver aura visible. Erevor, who staggered back, looked up at William as he glided to meet him. The two ensued in the biggest clash of magic the galaxy had ever seen. Even the Yato were amazed and transfigured. The king knew that this was his time. This was his moment. Villagers, attack! A massive war broke out on the beach as the villagers fought tooth and nail against the Yato, and the king grabbed his spear and began to wield incantation after spell, using hand-to-hand combat while incorporating curses to those that he defeated. This was a battle of the ages, 10,000 years in the making. The king tried to speak to William, but eventually Tenyato got the best of him, putting him to his knees and pressing their blades to his neck. William's power grew and grew, rivaling the dark mage, fire, ice, wind, earth, magical spells and curses thrown at one another, blurs of darkness and light, every color imaginable, the elements at their fingertips. The world seemed to blur around them, but to William, Erebor was as clear as could be. Flying straight into Erevor's fist, William grinned, shocking even his opponent at the level of insanity that the boy had been able to muster. Every spell that Erevor shot at William bounced off like it were rubber. This was all part of Erevor's plan. 10,000 years ago, when Erevor had come to this place through the Eye of Reptoru, he was trained by the king and his peoples, until the Yato did promise him a life with his old family, with his wife and children who had passed away on Earth during a war. And so, Erevor promised to work with the Yato in order to receive his family once again, to bring them back to life, but at a cost. In order to do so, Erevor had to split his powers and his soul into the life of another. He just had no idea that that power and soul would go into the life of a boy on Earth. But as the will of the universe would have it, it found itself within William, 10,000 years later. And so Erevor scoured the stars for 10,000 years to find his counterpart, to find the other half of his soul once again, until this moment right here. All he had to do was to get William to exhibit his full potential, to exhibit the full power of his rage. And the only way to do that is to taunt him. And he was playing the game just as Erevor wanted, falling into the Dark Wizard's trap. This was it, Erevor thought. The time was now to bind the boy and take his powers. Maybe then he could resurrect his family without the need of Viato, and then they could all be wiped out too. William's rage continued to swell, becoming a unit of fire and electricity. The king, at his knees, was forced to watch, and what a spectacle it was. The boy was amazing, and only with a year's worth of training. His rage building and building. He would not let this monster take Violet, kill his parents, kill everything that he has come to love, destroy his world. 
No, he had to do something. William believed in himself. He believed in his powers. He believed he was the chosen one. Erevor was cast back, bleeding, when William floated over him and punched him as hard as he could square in the face with the power of 10,000 years of spells and magic. Erevor went flying back into the sand, and the king smiled. No, please, I, 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 I will leave, I will leave this place, Erevor said. As William floated towards him, a god amongst men, extending his hand, shocking him with lightning, and covering his head with the sand itself. As the entire village and Yato watched, William put both hands overhead, ready to rip Erevor in half using magic, his voice sounding like a deity. You will never have my world. As William moved his hands downwards and apart to rip Erevor in half, he was frozen. He didn't understand. How could this be? William couldn't move. He was stuck, cast into the air and thrown upside down as Erevor lifted his head through the sand, revealing a massive smile. <laughs> his eyes closed as he began to sound the incantation. The spell binding had begun. William's body writhed with pain. William couldn't move. All the power he had amassed was withering away. Time slowed as he glanced at Erevor, eyes closed, mumbling his curse. The king, far back in the village, shaking his body and head, screamed against the world for William to fight it. The bodies of the villagers burning, the people all suffering as the ships of the Yato continued to land and fly overhead some still in the skies, opening up to emit smaller, one-man ships that flew down to continuously bomb and incinerate the world, the same ones that William had thought he destroyed, the sand flying everywhere, blowing into William's face, irritating him as he was paralyzed. The sand, he thought, it felt like a lifetime ago his feet were dug into the sand before he heard the eye of Reptoru calling for him. He would miss his world, his life, all those he cared for remembering everything. He thought of his mother and his father and his siblings, his friends. Weekends of having Charlie and Tanner over to play Smash Bros in the basement, full of their favorite pizza from down the street. Laughing, having fun. He had a great childhood, a great adulthood, if he could even call it that. This world would soon be captured by these evil beings, and then his world, and everything he knew would die a horrible death. He was sorry to the villagers, to the king, his parents and friends, even to his enemies back home, the people who bullied him and made his life difficult. He failed them all. Erevor was just too powerful and experienced. These last moments were filled with memories of laughter and life that William had come to cherish. He would miss it, but he was happy that he got to live it. As the life force drained from within him, he was awake just enough to feel the warm breeze brush his hair. It almost felt like someone's hand flowed through it, just the same way Violet used to. He remembered her, how her beautiful face would light up at the sight of him, how her cheeks would blush when he held her hand, and the thought of what their children would look like someday. William used the power of love that he had for everyone, even for Erevor, recognizing that this man was a slave to his love for his dead wife. He pitied him. William mustered the power to close his eyes and allow himself to die peacefully, 
feeling the energy leaving his body, the magic leaving his life force, his soul. Without knowing it, William was conjuring the most powerful spell of all, the spell of love, of light in its purest form. He was full of clean energy. As he opened his eyes, he found himself feeling warm and calm. Even in his last breaths, the air was still. William took one last big breath in through his nose as he closed his eyes. I wish I could save you all. When he fell on top of his head, looking around, he saw Erevor crawling in the sandy desert. But where were the villagers? It was daytime. He looked up at the sky. It was bright blue. He was in the world through the king's palace again. This is where he first met Erevor, what felt like a year ago to him. How, how did I end up here? He thought. Am I dead? Seems like any time he couldn't explain something, William thought he was dead. Erevor got up. Why are we here? What happened? I had you! The spell was almost complete! William realized he must have teleported them with his wish of purity. His powers did not stem just from rage, but even more so from love, from calmness, the love he had within himself, for others. This was the power that Erevor sought, but the power that he would never wield, for the very darkness that wrought his heart, in turn laid no fertile soil for this tree to grow. For inside, Erevor was dead, just like his wife and children. Erevor tried to run for the door behind William, the portal leading back to the village. William looked at the incantations on his arm from the Chamber of Time, and they began to glow red. He closed his eyes and allowed his body to move. He could feel nine celestial bodies around him as they guided him with hands into formations that he did not understand. But he was open to it, receptive. Freezing Erevor in an invisible cube, the dark wizard banged on it frantically, screaming. But no one could hear him. He could not be heard. He looked quite pathetic there as he used spell after spell to get out, to no avail. He summoned his scepter and tried everything that he could, to no success. William felt sorry for him. He walked up to the cube and laid a finger on it as Erevor watched in a rage, pointing his index finger and reaching through the glass cube. He touched the old wizard on the center of his forehead as Erevor stopped immediately, turned in excitement, and began pantomiming as if he were stroking a little girl's hair, helping to braid it. All in make-believe, of course. William smiled. He turned and teleported back to the village. The Yato had barely moved from when he went to the other planet with Erevor, binding him to his invisible cell. It was as if time had stayed still. William walked up to the Yato that held swords to the king's neck, moving so fast that no one could even see him. He observed their faces, grotesque, some gray, some khaki brown, flattened noses, long, thick black hair, tiny beady little eyes and a mouth that opened vertically to reveal massive pincers and sharp teeth as they drooled. Some even had scales for skin. He appreciated the other species of the galaxy, for they were all creatures of the universe, just lost in their way. But boy were these ugly. He touched the earth with his finger as he watched them all turn and get into their ships, blasting off into space, never to return. Time resumed and William looked at the king, stress and pain in his face. Understanding what William had done, 
the whole village cried and cheered for William. How? said the king. How? You used your fear to guide you, yes? No, said William. I used my love to power me. The king smiled and embraced the boy, and the villagers all chanted in unison. Ubayaki! 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 So, said William, you ever going to tell me what that means? The king stood and smiled. It means the believer. The night was filled with laughter and tears as they buried their loved ones and rejoiced for the new life that they were now given. Freedom. As the sun rose on the new day, William knew his journey was far from over. But for now, he longed for home. The king, understanding this, guided him to the eye of Reptoru, now a gateway rather than a trap. They looked at one another, the entire village on boats to see William off, thanking the believer, the chosen one, for saving them. Including the sea serpent, of course, that helped William the first time that he arrived there. Will I ever see you again? said William to the king. It is written in the stars. Yes, we will. But when the time is right, one Earth Day for you is a long time for us here. William looked up at the king, saddened. How old are you? The king looked to the sky and thought. Hmm. Fourteen thousand seven hundred and twenty-three years old, I think. And I'm not even in my prime yet. They embraced one another, laughing, and William walked into the ocean, each stride taking him deeper and deeper, as the king yelled out to him. Believer? Yes? What did you do with Erevor? William grinned and looked to the skies. <sighs> Let's just say... He's back with his family. William pointed his index finger to his mind, tapping it a few times. Instead of causing chaos, he made Erevor believe that he was back home with his wife and daughter. The jail that he put him in was now a paradise. The king smiled. The boy truly was the chosen one. With a heavy heart, William stepped through the portal as the villagers screamed goodbye as it disappeared behind him. The night was still finding himself back on the beach of his vacation, as if no time had passed at all. He looked around. Everything was calm and serene, the moon reflecting on the gentle waves. But as he turned to leave, something popped up through the surface of the ocean. A small, glowing orb landed, nestled in the sand. He picked it up, feeling a warm, comforting energy. It was a piece off of the king's scepter that he must have thrown through a reminder of his journey and the battles that were fought, to always believe in himself and to remember that they will see each other again. With a deep breath, William walked back to his hotel, the orb in his pocket. The memories of his adventure etched into his soul. He was back on Earth, but he knew somewhere out in the vastness of the universe, his story had just begun. <laughs>